Right, welcome everybody to today's Two Saints podcast show with myself, Mark C, and my co-host, Mark H. How are you doing there, Mark? Yeah, it's been a, um, you know, bit of a perplexing week, you know, well, actually it's not that perplexing, it's it's normal service resume. <laughs> yeah, you, isn't it? <laughs> you know, normal service resume yeah. at yeah. St. Mary's, you know, um, so yeah, but as I say, on on the field, let's talk about on the field, um, yeah. You know, obviously, Leicester result, I have to say, disappointing from my own point of view. Yeah. Um, and the Shrewsbury job uh, is basically a professional job. Well done. You know, I thought Mr. Watts was outstanding myself, but we'll come to that later on. And I hope, everybody, I hope everybody that's listening to the podcast is keeping safe and well, and more importantly, looking after each other. Absolutely right. And as Mark's alluded to, coming up on the first half of the pod today, the two Saints review of Leicester City 2, Saints nil, and Saints 2, Shrewsbury Town nil. So two two results that couldn't be at the upper end of the spectrum, could they really, Mark? Um, either end of the spectrum there, a 2-0 loss to Leicester, followed by a 2-0 winning at Shrewsbury. Um, all I would say is a raft of injuries, and Saints going up against Leicester, who at the moment look as though they're potential champions again, Mark. I don't think I'd be saying that this time of the year. But, yeah, um, I mean... Oh, where do you start? You, you've got to say, mate, that, um, you know, I think it, it did have the feeling and and it it's strange because you look at both clubs, right? And in terms of size, in terms of stadia, in terms of fan base, yeah. they're, they're more or less on the same footing. But obviously, you know, they get a tie on their, Who's, who's very interested in the city and very interested in developing the club. And we, yeah. and we get a Chinese owner who, you know, um, isn't involved yeah. at all exactly. in any way, shape or form. And I just yeah. think of Marats, both clubs, when you sort of, because Leicester aren't, aren't a bigger club than Saints, you know, and, no, I, think that's and I suppose that, that's what kind of sticks in the claw a little bit. But you look yeah, at definitely. our squad, because it, it, it's a it's a sad indictment when you look at their squad, right? Oh, I think it is. And, and what happens when you've got an owner that's, I wouldn't say hands-on, but he, he, he does what he's expected to deliver on. Right. Yeah, well, I think the problem as well, Mark, is as well, isn't it? We've got a manager who wanted a small squad, which he's got. Careful what you wish for, Ralph. And um, obviously, we've got an owner, as you say, who's not really put any funding into the, to the playing squad. Now, people will say, oh, he's invested because he brought the club. Whoopee, he brought the club. He hasn't invested. An investment is when you buy a 21-year-old striker with potential who comes on, starts scoring a lot of goals and develops. That is an investment. A player that scores 25 goals a season and wins you the Premier League title, that's an investment. You know, yeah. so, you know, buying a football club, greatest respect to everybody. That's not an investment. That's an initial purchase. That's a purchase. An investment is something you do like when you spend money on a training ground or you spend money on the playing staff. That's an investment. And that, sadly, is something Southampton have lacked for five seasons. We've had a total of one million pounds put in by our owner in five seasons. That's where we're at, people. And that, at the moment, unfortunately, is costing us very dearly with and the that, that, injuries we've and got. That probably that probably showed on Saturday night because yep. you look at you you can say we had people out injured. You yep. can point to that, and you can point yep. to the list. And yep. Ralph says it's you know the worst that he's ever known it as a manager yep. for for injuries. 
Yeah. I, I take all that on board, Mark. Yep, but I, I just I just look at the quality of players that they have compared to uh, yep. even even if we had our best eleven out there, and yep. I, I wouldn't dispute that we give them a, we would have give them a closer game. Definitely. Um and you know, and and you have to say that. But I, I just sort of you, you look around the sort of players that they've bought under the tie ownership. And not only that, you know, you look at the fact that they've invested in the city. So you know that they're invested. You know, if you're turning around and you're given a million quid to build a hospital, you know, in the city, or you know, you're building new training facilities, you're you're fine. You're finding well, cures for diseases because you've set up right. a medical center. My, my take on it with our my take on it with our own is very simple. We've heard all about what Saints Foundation have done right throughout the pandemic, Mister Gal. We haven't heard anything about a single thing you've done during the lockdown. We've not even heard that you've invested ten thousand pounds in the local community for food distribution or food parcels. As far as we're aware, Mr. Gal, you haven't invested a single penny in the local economy or the local community, yet the Saints Foundation have. Shame on you, Mr. Gal. Anyway, Mark, let, let's get off that. Let's yeah, break the game itself. So, so, it's a good game from Saints' point of view in the fact that they did have his injuries and that because they forced Casper Schmeichel into some crucial saves and they rattled the crossbar as well through Stuart Armstrong. So they did have their chances, didn't they, despite the fact they were depleted? Um, right, so I, I would have said that the Stuart Armstrong effort was the only real effort that I yeah. seen. No, unless you're going to tell me different. So no, I mean, it, it, for you to tell me that because all I was going to say was the only thing that I seen of note was Stuart Armstrong hitting the hitting the bar. Oh, and Will Smallbone, Will Smallbone having a shot that was saved by Casper Schmeichel. Apart yeah. from those two incidents, I str I struggled. To notice anything else on target from Southampton. Um, Shay Adams from a first time pass from Wilton Allbone, helped on by Theo Walcott for Shay Adams, tried to beat Schmeichel at his near post. Schmeichel saved that. Um, obviously, um, there was also um, Tielemans clearing off the line after um, a ball in from uh, Stuart Armstrong. I believe it was ball in, came in for Stuart Armstrong, and Tielemans, I think it was, was actually. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I remember that. I, I, I don't remember Adams one, but I remember Tillman's clearing off the line. Yeah, but um, but anyway, apart from that, all, all I would say is is the given the raft of injuries that they had, they probably give a decent account. You know, I wouldn't say it was a great account. I would just say it was a decent account of themselves. But yeah. fortunately, went down. As I say, 2-0 to um James Madison school and and I like the celebration by the way where he was keeping people away from him. You know, yeah, it didn't work very well, but he tried. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you know, um and um and Harvey Barnes obviously, you know, scored the other goal. But it's amazing. We were thinking, thank God Jamie Vardy's having an off day. The problem is when Jamie Vardy has an off day, other players step up, don't they? And unfortunately, Madison obviously stepped up again, the bugger. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that, that was the issue, wasn't it? And Jamie Vardy had one of those rare off days, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I just I just sort of look at it overall and I thought to myself, yeah, we had sporadic chances, and that's how I would I would term it. Sporadic chances. 
But I always felt that Leicester were kind of in control of the game, to be fair. You know, I wouldn't say they were always going to score at will, because like you said, Jamie Vardy clearly didn't have his shooting boots on. But I think if you've got if you've got a backup, you know, if you've got a backup back, then clearly their backup act in the midfield is Madison and, and Barnes, you know. And, and, you know, the thing is, is they do add that something extra, you know, besides obviously having your talent and striker. It's a bit like we us, it's Danny Ings. And if Danny Ings isn't far and you're sort of looking to James Ward-Price to work as magic, you know. Um, you know, so the end of the day, I suppose 2-0, I would have preferred if Jamie Vardy had it been injured now to be, you know, uh, before that game, to be perfectly fair. And as well, assessing the game as well, it's also a tale of the subs bench as well. I mean, you look at the Leicester subs bench, Kengi's under, Kaglos Yunku, Ricardo Pereira, Danny Ward, Luke Thomas, Daniel Amati, Nepalis Mendy, Kalichi Iheanacho and Aose Perez, right? Saints subs bench, Alan Chapchet, Kagolo Chalk, Kigeo Chalk, Caleb Watts, Jan Valerie, Shane Long, Jake Vokins, Dan and Lindelou, Fraser Forster, Will Ferry. That, for me, is the tail of the game, mate. Look at the two subs benches. Like you said, quality and lack of it. Yeah. No, I mean, if you look uh, at that Leicester bench, it's got quality it's, in it, it's not, it? It's not quality, man. It, 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 it's lack of... I mean, I've always said quality in the first 11. It's a lack of quality in the first 11. And then it's a lack of depth when it comes to your squad. Yeah. Complete lack of depth when it comes to squad. Well, Ralph Hassan said we remain competitive, and Carl Walker Peters said it wasn't our day, and I can't really argue with that really. I mean, no. we were competitive, weren't we? That's the thing, and it wasn't our day to be fair. But I agree with both comments, so we'd probably say Ralph's right to say we were competitive. I didn't, I didn't particularly think that we did anything significant. You would say. There was a moment in that game where we could have won it. You know, it wasn't it wasn't one of those games. I think we went there. The, I'm not not entirely sure what the game plan was. I mean, I'm assuming the game plan was to try and win it, obviously. But you know, the thing is, is I, you know, they were on a head enough, and really, you know, as you say, when you look at look at the subs bench, that sort of that sort of sort of sums it up, really. And then the, the only, is it, only uh, real substitute you've got coming off there would be Fraser Foster or Shane Long, you know? Yeah, I mean, Shane Long got brought on with 20 minutes to go, but to, no no offence to Shane. When he comes on with 20 minutes to go, Mark, you sat there thinking it's not to win the game, is it, to be fair? No, it's mm-hmm. not. I mean, you know, and, and why is that, Mark? Because we have a striker who's employed as a striker. Right. He right. doesn't he doesn't hit the back of the net regularly exactly enough. That. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and obviously the big, the big downside, the big, the big negative from the game was um the injury to Will Smallbone, wasn't it? Unfortunately, um we were obviously doing a watch along, and at the time when he planted his foot and his knee sort of buckled a little bit, I'd said to you, yourself, I think he's done his ACL. Yeah, and it turned out he has done his ACL, hasn't he? Which is horrific for him. Um, looks as though he's going to have about six months out, judging by what Ralph said, Martin. That's a huge blow, isn't it, for him and the club? Yeah, I mean the thing is, is this is the danger as well, because obviously. With the injuries at the minute, youngsters get thrown into the fire line. And you, you know, we have talked about this before. Yeah. I'm not convinced about, you know, as many of them being introduced to the first team because, A, not sure if they're good enough. 
and yeah. be not sure if they're ready right now. Well, small bones come off the back of a, a back of a fairly long injury anyway, right? And now he's back yeah. and he's got another injury. And the thing is, is Mark, I said it to you whenever he first burst in the scene. I said, technically very good footballer, but I said for me, he looks too lightweight. Yeah, any yeah, yeah. any time I watch him, he looks he looks white lightweight. I just sort of sit there and I think to myself, at the end of the day, somebody's going to gobble you up. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, to be fair to Will as well, I was thinking back over the years and thinking back to players that played for Saints that I would have said probably were quite thin framed or quite wispy. And I think back to Steve Williams and Mark Wright who were both quite wispy. But in fairness, despite the fact they were quite wispy, they were both quite strong, weren't they, physically? Yeah, so, you know, they were quite robust. Um, with Will, he's of that sort of build, but he's not very robust, is he, for some no. reason? Aren't? And maybe it's down to conditioning, as you've said before. I mean, you, and you, if you look at the problem we're having at the moment, he, he does seem as though it's down to conditioning, doesn't it? Let me give you the comparison, right? Now, I, as I said, the technically very good footballer, right? That, yeah. That's not the issue for me with Will Smallbone. The issue is, is too late, we right? <laughs> I'll give you an example. Uh, we're going back some. Danny yep. Wallace, whose birthday yep. was yesterday, by the way, people. Yep. Happy awesome. birthday, Danny. Right. What a great player he was. He, he burst into the, the Saints team, never looked back, right? Now, you look at his physique, right? Now, his physique, you look at his calves, calf muscles and stuff like that. Even at the age that he was at when he burst in, and it was it was around about the same age as well, Smallbone, right? His calf muscles were developed and everything else, right? Exactly. And he was a squat figure. You know, he yeah. was small, but he was a squat figure. There was a what? physique there, but you look at yeah. Ron Swalpo and you think, paperweight. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think if I looked at Danny Wallace at the time, I would have said that Danny Wallace looked like he was in superb condition. You know, he just looked like he was well conditioned. Um, conditioning wasn't as important back then. But you could argue when you saw Danny when he burst on the scene that he looks really well conditioned footballer. Um, Steve Moran's another one. He looks a really well conditioned footballer. As did Kevin Keegan. You know, these were guys that look really well conditioned and look how well they played, you know. Can't be a coincidence. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I see where you're coming from and I agree. You know, but it's, uh, I mean, the thing is, I'm comparing people of the same age. You're comparing yeah. people that are older. But, you know, Danny, Danny Wallace was the same age as well. Small boy. You know, you you knew with him because you looked at him and you thought he can handle it. You know, but Alan Shearer's well, small bone. I think can you handle first team football? Alan Shearer's another one. If you remember when Alan Shearer broke through at Saints first off, yeah, there wasn't an awful lot to him at the time when he first broke through into Saints team. But he could look after himself. Yeah, you know, he was quite yeah. robust. He, you know, Alan, Alan Shearer, to be fair, was quite a sl- quite a slight young man when he first burst into the he, Saints he, team. Yeah, yeah, but he was able to hold his own. Against some of the, some very strong defenders at the time, to be fair, um, given the year he played in. So, um, you know, um, so yeah, I certainly agree that you know players that came through at the same sort of age as Will certainly looked a bit more better conditioned or a bit more, more robust. Robust. And um, yeah. I agree with you. I think it is conditioning because we've seen Michael Obafemi lack of conditioning there seems to have cost him. Um, Jan Valerie seems to have similar sort of issues, unfortunately. Um, and Mo Salah, who's another one, seems to be breaking down quite frequently. Is it conditioning? I'm not sure, but. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? And obviously, Ralph's alluded to the fact that, regards to conditioning, they can't use a lot of the facilities they've got at Staplewood, can they? Which no. obviously isn't helping. 
No, I mean, exactly. I mean, that that's the other difficulty because they can't use the cryogenic chamber and everything else for recovery, which obviously, yeah. you know, is is impacting on the players in the first first team squad. Anyway, moving on can't Tuesday yeah. night, a little bit more of a a happy a happy oh, tale to tell. Yeah. So it was Saints to Shrewsbury now. Ralph Hasselhoff was pleased with a dominant display by Saints and Dan and Lindeloo. It was a dream come true. Made his finally made his home full debut mark and scored on his first start for Saints. Very yeah, um, fair stuff for Dan, wasn't it? Really. I don't want to get too carried away, Mark, you know, because you know I tend to try and play it down. I'm not one of these people that are going to tell you that a player's a world beater, right? But, you know, the, the one bright spot for me was his performance, obviously, and uh, Mr. Watts' performance, uh, Seb Watts, the Australian. Um, they both really played really well for people who are, you know, very young in age. Um, and it was impressive, and you do hope that they continue to develop because that, that's what it's about at this stage for them. Exactly. And, I, and, I, and I, put, I put Will Smallbone in the same bracket, you know, and unfortunately at the minute, because of the injuries we've got, they're all being sort of thrown into the lion's den, if you like. You know? Yeah, and Ibrahim Adiala had another strong game again, and very nearly scored. And I tell you what, I had a look at the highlights. If he'd have scored that goal, it would have been an absolute corker, wouldn't it? He picks yeah. it up outside the yeah. area, goes to pass a couple of players, um, and had it blocked at the last moment. But I tell you what, that would have been a golden half. And um, he, he's really starting to impress me at the moment. Not getting carried away, but he's looking he's looking pretty impressive at the moment. And the interest, the interest, the other thing that I wanted to mention as well, Mark, which was more impressive to me in the on the night, you know, much, much as people talk about, you know, it was great that Dan scored his, his goal and, you know, Mr. Watts had a great game, but I'm going to say something here, right? And this is more to do with the current sort of situation that we're in, yeah. right? Because I, I look at I look at what they did and I sort of sit there and I temper it by saying we were playing League One yeah, League absolutely. two opposition, but yeah. I, I think it's League One they're in. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 we're playing that opposition, and yeah, they did fantastically well, right? But I have to say, my biggest praise of the night probably goes to our two fullbacks, yeah. right? Which were Jan Valerie, who's had a rough time, you know, yeah. a rough time of it. Yes. You know, even from supporters, and yeah. Yeah. I think. At the end of the day, that performance for me, although again it was against lower league side and all the rest of it, but that performance for me just tells me that can we, given the raft of injuries we've got, can we afford even to send them out on loan? That's I'll keep him up. And, and I still think he has, you know, I've said it before, said it again, he has a lot still to offer our football yeah. club. I still think that he's earned the opportunity to stay. I think his performances last couple of games, Liverpool in this one, he's earned the opportunity to stay, is what I yeah. think. And and um and and then I go to the I said fullback, so I'll just yeah. go to the other side. I mean, did anybody actually realise that it was Jake Falkins playing at left back? I mean because because he didn't put a foot wrong. It was kinda I kind of thought to myself, you know something, he's having that good a game. Yeah. You know, he, he hardly got, but he, 
he hardly got mentioned, but he was having a really good game for me. You know, you would have naturally presumed that that was Ram Bertram playing there. The thing is, as well, you can have games where you don't get mentioned and it's because you've had a good game. Whereas as a defender, you could have a game where you get mentioned every five minutes because you've had an absolute blooming shocker. So for me, with defenders, it's usually a good sign that they've had a great game that they barely get mentioned. Yeah. Although the, although the other thing is, if the defenders get mentioned a lot, he's either been really busy or he's been rubbish. <laughs> the, the, only, the only downside is, is Jake, right? Even yeah. when I, I don't care what part of the pitch it's on, just leave the free kicks to James Ward Price, okay? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, 100%. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and um, JWP yet again proved why you leave the free kicks to him, didn't he? With an absolutely <laughs> almost carbon copy of the Man United one. I told you he was going to score a free kick this week. <laughs> it was, I mean, to me it was comical because I almost felt like the ball had taken the goalkeeper into the back of the <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but no, it was, it was an excellent free kick and a good solid win. And we're in the next round, 12 15 on Saturday against Arsenal, BAST. How many reds? What times it is for you people around the globe, but you know, we're in there. Let's, let's keep going. Absolutely right. So that ends that brilliantly. So that ends that part of the pod for today. We're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we'll do Saints Club News. And we've got plenty of that to get through. It's the Two Marks, CNH, on the Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95FM. Right, welcome back, everybody. So Saints Club News, and here are your headlines. Saints Welcome Hummel is the official kit supplier. Refunds for 2020-21 season tickets. Johnson completes permanent move. Slattery completes Gillingham loan. Saints team up with Asante Kotoko. Premier League statement, concussion substitutes trial, 2020-21. First February TV selections confirmed and Panting wins sportsbet.io goal of the month. Again. <laughs> so starting with fantastic news, Mark. And let me just say this. Celebrate good times. Come on. Hummel has been officially unveiled as the Saints kit supplier from 2020-21 season end onwards for the next five years. Absolutely brilliant news, Mark. Time to celebrate. Yeah. Let's all Absolutely. do the conga. Brilliant news. Absolutely. Over the moon, mate. Over oh. the moon. And let's hope that they do do a little bit of retro selection kits while they are the kit manufacturer. Because, oh, um, oh. yeah, I mean, I mean, I know people say, oh, it was the Denmark kit and all the rest of it. But I, I loved Saints' kit which was sort of a homage to that, you know? Well, do you know what? That My favourite kit, Colin Clark played in it, Paul Rideout played in it alongside him. Great players played for us, played for us in that strip. Jimmy Case was another one. Uh, the, yeah, the two, two-tone Hummel strip, which is all stripes, but it's based on the Denmark 86 World Cup kit. Absolutely fantastic kit. And um, some great times in that kit as well. Some great no, players, I, Rob Wallace, Danny Wallace and others. Fantastic. I mean, even even the old sort of red and white stripes one that yep. they produced was a decent, you oh, know, the next home shirt after that. I even like the, you know, we had the yellow away with oh, the, one of my one of my favourite one of my favourite away kits was a, a white Hummel kit and it had very pale green stripes on it, um, it chevrons on it, looked lovely. And I always I wanted that kit, and never got it on. I thought it was sky blue, not green, Mark. It's a very pale green, very, very pale green, it's almost very, a, a green. Okay. But, um, lovely kit, never got man's on it, but um, who knows, maybe we'll get to see that again. Yeah, no, I mean, any of those, I'd, I'd be happy to do any of those again. Oh, no, yeah. I've looked at some recent kits they've done for Denmark and some other kits in red and white, and I've got to be honest, 
Some of the kits I've seen from Hummel in red and white, Mark, fantastic. I would have no problem adopting them as a Saints kit, even if it was a Denmark-looking shirt. Because I'll tell you what, some of the Hummel shirts at the moment, if you get a chance to look at them, are superb. So I'm really well, looking I forward to it. I have to tell you, I mean, they're obviously adding to their portfolio. Yeah. Um, because Everton, or, you know, the, the manufacturer Everton's kit, Correct. manufacturer Coventry City's kit, and they also manufacture Charlton Athletics kit. Yep. So, you know, they they seem to be on the crest of the wave coming back. And the thing, the other thing that's sort of nice about it is, is you know, I think Hummel sort of, you know, uphold the same sort of values that Saints have, yep. dare I say. Yep. You know, because it, it is, even though they're Danish, you know, it is kind of a family-run business as well still. So... So, you know, it's yeah, and also, Mark, um, it's far less likely to be any sort of instance that we've had like there have been with Under Armour. So, um, that's yeah. something to be held and look forward to as well. There certainly I mean, won't be any issues on kit dates and stuff, will there? Thank God. No, Under Armour, I'm gonna say it, Mark, Under Armour was a marriage made in hell. Oh, I agree, it was a complete marriage made in hell. And yeah. this idea that we're venturing in the America oh, as well, I, I just I mean, all all I'll say is, thankfully, that chapter's over and done with. I'm overmoon about it because, to be fair to you, I actually think Under Armour has been an absolute mess, an absolute mess from day one. Um, yeah. for a company that size to conduct themselves the way they have is shameful, and they should hang their heads in shame as they walk away. Take the walk of shame, Under Armour. We're glad to see the back of you. Well, I certainly am anyway. Thank God we've got Hummel now. But I'm glad. I'm glad. Whatever happened, that you know, we don't have two more years of it. I mean, oh, I'm led to believe that actually Under Armour walked away from the deal. So I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. But um, I'm anyway, to believe it's a mutual agreement, Mark. Well, happy happy days, mate. Hummel for the next. Uh, how long is it? The next five years? Is five it? years? Yeah, it's a five year sponsorship. Yeah, the next five years. So five years. Yeah, no, as I say, let's hope that this one is a happier relationship. You need to do is put Draper tools on the front of the shirt, and we'll be over the moon. So, Southampton Football Club can confirm that it will be offering 2020-21 season ticket holders the option of receiving a full refund from the remaining balance of their season ticket. When the club launched the sales for this season, it was with the hope that Saints supporters would have returned St Mary's increase in numbers by the end of the year. That obviously hasn't happened, as we all know. Um, they were launched alongside the Saints Promise, which was a guarantee supporters would receive a pro rata refund for games that took place without supporters. Um, obviously, it's a pretty clear indication now that um, there's not going to be a return to St Mary's for the end of the season. They're offering full refunds. Obviously, please be aware that if you do do decide to take that, there's no credit towards your season ticket next season unless you decide that's where you're putting it. So it's either kind of like the refunds themselves, Mark, isn't it? Get your yeah. refund in full, um, not be on the list for next season, and have to start from scratch, or yeah. use it towards next season's season ticket. Yeah. So be, so so be careful, what, everyone, obviously. What they're saying is a refund yeah. or you can basically hold the money that's in your account. Yeah. Um. And that can go towards next the purchase of next season's yep. season ticket. I mean, I I, I just want to say by the by, Mark, very quickly that you know for me the club should never have brought out season tickets in the yeah, first agree, place. Yeah. The majority of Premier League clubs decided against bringing out yeah. season tickets altogether right. and basically said that if they were bringing fans into the stadium, you pay per game. 
the what the what games you see. Yeah. So Absolutely. so I think that would have been the easier solution for the club. But yeah, you know, fair play to them. They've recognised yeah. that the likelihood is a, well. I would say the definite is is that there's not going to be any fans back mm-hmm. in stadiums, you know, yeah. for a while to come yet. Yeah. And I'm going to suggest the listeners as well that you can expect more of the same for next season as well. I agree with that, unfortunately. Yep, certainly agree with that. Because the, the, the thing is, is you're not going to see, you know, 35 seater or 32 seater stadium, you know, fill come the first game of the season. That's not happening. That'll be a steady thing. Yeah, what I will say is if you see full stadiums by 2022 or 2023, you count yourselves very lucky because I don't see it much before that. No, I mean, uh, I mean, my, my own take on it is, Mark, that by June 2022, this will be over and done with. Yep. And yep. it'll be the 22-23 season when yep. you will see right. yep. you know, a return at least of fans it may not even be full capacity then, no. but you feel it, see a proper right. return of fans yep. as such. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So the next set of um, stories are actually relating to the academy itself, actually, which is um, quite good as well. So um, Tyreek Johnson has completed a permanent move to Gillingham. Callum Slattery has completed a loan move to Gillingham. And also Saints have teamed up with Asante Kotoko of Ghana. So um, <laughs> expect to see an influx of Ghanaians at some point or some really good quality Ghanaians. And Ghana do produce some good footballers, Mark, as we know. But um, Tyreek Johnson, permanent move to Gillingham and Callum Slattery's gone there on loan. And I do believe both of them contributed to Gillingham's uh, recent win, I believe. Yes, and I I actually forecast on the pod that he would end up moving to Gillingham permanently. Now Um, it again. (laughs) So so Tyreek Johnson has left the building. Um, Good good move from Mark. The thing is, is... You know, they call him youngster, and I want people to get out of this mindset. You He's stop that, being a youngster. Once you pass 19 in football terms for me, you're not a youngster anymore. Yeah, right. You know? Right. And, yeah. and, and as soon as he turned 21, you know, once the club knew he wasn't making an impact, I think that's the right thing to do, yeah. you know? Um, and as for Callum Slattery... Who knows where his future lies? You know, I, again, you know, he he was one that was really, really talked up by, by you know the clubs, the clubs, uh, coaches, and everything else. And you do sort of wonder, you know, because like like the likes of Luke Shaw and things like that, that people yeah. like that, you know, Arsenal were after Callum Slattery when he when he signed for Saints and. Stuff like that there, and you you do you do kind of wonder whether he's now going to make the grade or not. To be honest, um, I mean I think I said on the podcast the start of last season that obviously he'd fallen out of favour with Ralph Hasenhutl because he'd come back a stone overweight yeah. when it came to the way in, and it it you know, it's a strange one because you actually look at that and he hasn't actually featured for Saints since. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a very strange one. But there we go. And yeah, Callum Slatter online, um, it's probably good me for him as well, actually. He's probably needed to move on and he there's an awful lot there's a plethora of um, midfielders and he looks as though he's quite a way down the pecking order. So it made sense for him to move on as well, didn't it? Yeah. No, a hundred percent. hundred percent. Um you know, good luck, good, but good luck to them, and and hopefully, 
you know, Callum obviously will help him get the experience that he needs. Yeah. I think going to Holland was a bit of a mistake last season. Yeah, I, I, I would have formed him out the domestic club yeah. and sort of seen what his form was looking like then. But yeah, me too. Right, good, good luck to both of them. Definitely. So, Southampton Football Club is delighted to welcome Asante Kotoko SC, one of the leading professional clubs in Africa, to its growing portfolio of international club partners. So, obviously, they've now got club partners in um, Australia, Japan, North America, um, the Middle East. So, yeah, North America, Middle East, Australia and Japan, and obviously now Africa. So, extending that portfolio of international partner clubs and um, probably clubs they're like looking to garner the top talent from, I would think, Mark, over the next few years. Um, trying to save themselves a bit of money in the transfer market, I would guess. Yeah, Probably part I mean, of the strategy, I, isn't it? I always Which wonder, I guess makes sense. I always wonder about the, these sort of things, though, Mark, because I actually think it's more the per, the partner clubs that benefit. I always yeah, tend to think that we, we tend to get the thin end of the wedge. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It, it's a little bit like... You know, when we had the partners, we were going to have the partnerships with the clubs in China. Yeah. Right? And it, it seemed that, obviously, they were gaining more experience from the Saints coaches yeah. than it being a mutual sort of setup. Exactly. Um, but but then I do find it interesting, obviously, because, obviously, our our new signing, Mr. Salasus Garnet, and... Yep. Uh, yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, if we're helping develop football in those countries and develop coaching techniques and players, then that's fine. But yeah. I don't think we'll be seeing anybody, you know, like you're suggesting, I don't think we're going to be seeing anybody from any of those clubs in the next few years. It won't, be for, it won't be for a while yet. It's going to take a while before you know? that. If it was through, if it does at all, to be fair. Not, not unless, I mean, in, in the case of, you know, uh, the Guardian team that we've signed up with, you know, unless we're on earth in a Jordy Weir or somebody like that there, I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. I'm, I'm not sure we should mention George Weir in Saint Circles, Mark. It didn't end well last time, did it? <laughs> yeah. But hang on, hang on, hang on. Just remember one thing. Even though they say Jordy Weir's cousin, they weren't even related, Mark. No, they weren't. They weren't, they weren't. even related. And for anyone who doesn't know, I think you'll find Ali Dia was actually a, a local student. So yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. The Premier League has today issued the following statement in relation to the introduction of concussion substitutes trial. Premier League shareholders formally agreed to introduce the International Football Association Board's additional permanent concussion substitutions trial. The trial will be confirmed when the implementation of the process, including private medical information, has been resolved. With player welfare, the Premier League's priority protocols will allow a maximum of two concussion substitutes to be used per team, with the opposition side able to use the equivalent number. Thank God, at long last, they've actually seen some common sense, Mark. Hallelujah. 100%. Let, let's hope this is used correctly, though, Mark, Absolutely. and it's, yeah. not, it's not open the abuse by the, the bigger sides. No. You know and if you want I an example... The bigger clubs, and yeah. I mean that genuinely. Absolutely. You know? And if you want an example... If FIFA and the FA and the Premier League and everyone else want an example of when those two substitutes could be used and should have been used, David Luiz and Raul Jimenez was the perfect game when that should have happened. Yeah. Luiz, Luiz and Jimenez both should have been off the field, not just Jimenez. Yeah. Luiz should have gone off the field as well because he clearly yeah. took a blade to the I head mean, and they I mean, both should have been substituted. I'll go, I'll go back to the incident with us. Yeah. Um, 
What was it? Mount, was it West West Ham? Shea uh, Adams, yep. Craig yep. Dawson. Yep, yep. To, to me, to me, that's concussion. That was Absolutely. that was a blatant. I, I don't I don't care if the player thinks that he's fit to continue. No, it's no, not correct. it's not up to the player. Follow the no, protocols no, no. in regards to you know, if somebody receives a heavy blow. Right, the thing is, you watch a boxing match. If a guy gets knocked out, the doctor's straight in there, and then the fight's ended. You know, it should be the same with football. If a guy's taking a blade to the head, you get him off. It's as simple as that. Yeah. It's not worth risking it. We've had too many footballers die of dementia as a result of heading footballs and whatever. Don't run the risk of people dying as a result of dementia in years to come from getting concussion playing football. It's no, not worth it. 100%. And look at the players themselves as well. The players have to look at themselves and say, do I want to risk my future health by saying I'm all right to carry on? I feel a bit groggy because I've got a concussion. I don't ever think about it. The other thing I would say as well is, Mark, is I know it's only a trial, but thank goodness they've brought this forward. Because obviously they were going to, you know, it sounded like there was going to be a trial basis at the start of next season and then they were going to introduce it. But obviously they've brought it forward now. So obviously if the trial works out well, we'll definitely see it introduced for the start of next season, albeit well. Yeah, hopefully. So we move on to the next article, which relates to three of Southampton's Premier League matches have been scheduled for February. Um, obviously scheduled for live television coverage now as part of the first bath of picks for the coming month. So the following games are now scheduled to take place as detailed. Man United versus Saints, Tuesday, the 2nd of February, kickoff 8.15pm live on BT Sport. Saints v Chelsea, Saturday, the 20th of February, kickoff 12.30pm live on BT Sport. And Everton versus Saints, Monday, the 1st of March, kickoff 8pm live on Sky Sports. Everton game remains subject to pers- possible movement should either club be involved in a rearranged match in the same midweek. So, obviously, I guess that relates to obviously rearranged fixtures or cup games, possibly. Yeah, so there we go. Those are the rearranged ones for for um, for February. And the Premier League today confirmed all matches from Saturday, 30th of January to the last weekend in February will be made available to fans to watch live in the UK. So, there we go. That brings you bang up to date on that. Uh, over to Mark. Just get so, Basically, all I was going to say, Mark, was, was uh, you know, in terms of if there's any sort of replays or stuff like that there that would, you know, disrupt that yeah. for Saints fans, you know, it would be, a, I just advise them to sort of keep updated on stuff in case they miss anything. Yeah. Absolutely right. So, moving on to women's football, and this woman just doesn't stop doing it, Mark, does she? Rachel Panting wins the sportsbet.io goal of the month. Um, I think she's actually, is it two months consecutively now she's won it? I do believe yeah. it is. So yeah. Rachel Prantin's won the Golden Month Award for December following a fan vote. Ford struck from distance again in the 5-0 win at Bournemouth in the Women's FA Cup and uh, the accolade after beating competition from Nathan Teller and Theo Walcott. Well, I'm sorry, guys, you two paled in comparison. Rachel Prantin's was an absolute corker. So thoroughly oh, deserved it. She's done it back-to-back now. Yeah, the goals, the dark oh. I mean, I know... Oh, I you know, young pussies scoring all all the goals at the moment, but the Rachel Panton's goals that she scores, there's oh. something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, There's a crazy Yeah, uh, absolutely. Richly deserved again. All all I would say is is you know I hope at some stage that I get the meter. Oh, absolutely. And all That'd that stuff, you know. But um, well, hopefully, one of the SDSI open days that's coming up at some point in the future. Hopefully, we'll get to meet her at one of those. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll but, say, um, but make sure Rachel Panthers come along as part of the women's absolutely women's yeah, player. Absolutely. Well, I think there's a well-used phrase in football that certain people don't score tap-ins, and she 
Danny doesn't score tap-ins, does she? Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely not. But, I mean... I think if they were chanting about Rachel Panting, it'd probably be something along the lines of Rachel Panting, she scores screamers. <laughs> again, I just I just hope and, hope and pray that the, that the women's team are allowed to finish the season this time around. Absolutely. Even if it means extending it into June or July, Mark, you know? Absolutely right, absolutely right. So there we go. That brings us to the end of Saints Club News for the moment. So we'll take a very short break. And when we come back, it will be the second half of the pod. And when I'll be telling you exactly what's coming up in the second half. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word. They're here with everything in the Two Saints Show. Right. Welcome back, everybody. So coming up in the second part of the pod today, we have Saints in the Press and Saints Transfer Gossip. Other football news. Danny Ings. Is he staying put or is he leaving? Two Saints preview of Saints versus Arsenal in the FA Cup and in the League Cup. So, two games, two score predictions, and one preview. So, anyway, Saints in the press and Saints transfer gossip. We'll start with the headlines, and we'll go back to the very first one when we finish them. So, Hampshire Live. Southampton, Mohamed Salasu, Maguire, Saints owners could sell the club. This is coming from Kieran Maguire, who's a, um, I think he's a Premier League um, accountant, I believe, Mark. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. a football financial analyst. That's okay, what he that's does right. for a yeah. yeah. Right. Um, Hassan Newell says the impact COVID of um, COVID's had on wages, etc., affects negotiations. Southampton are frustrated in their pursuit of their top target, but are looking at alternative options. Doncaster Rovers are not giving up hope of re-signing Southampton winger, and report says that Leicester want just 1.8 million for Leeds and Saints linked to Murray Gray. So that's your first lot of Saints in the press. So what do you make of those, Mark? Starting with Southampton, obviously Ralph Hassan Newell saying um, speaking out about early months. Mohamed yeah, Salasu, we're speaking about about early months Southampton. And struggling Salasu. with the weather. It's Salasu in that. Yeah, I mean, struggling with the weather. From from what I read of the the article and what I understand, Mark, it, it wasn't really Ralph making any comments. And no, no, it's Mohamed Salasu speaking about Salasu the struggles with the weather. About him coming to terms with the conditions <laughs> in Britain. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is, I, I don't know what our our supporters expect, right? You know, you're you're bringing in a player. Yes, yeah. admittedly, you're going to have people that are going to hit the ground running, right? But the thing is, is if you're bringing in a player that's raw, right? And probably Diallo's the exception to the rule on that one, right? Yeah. But if you're bringing in somebody who's young and raw, you know, the chances are they're going to take a, an amount of time to adjust. Like I keep saying to you, if you're come, coming from the lower leagues or you're coming from abroad, you know, and you're fairly young, you're going to need time to adjust and they need a season to get properly bedded in. And then the second season is when you judge them properly. All right, I understand the frustrations and the fact that we haven't seen them yet. Yeah. Right. But all I would say to the, to the Saints supporters out there is remain patient, you know. Um, obviously, he's been talking about the weather while he's been here. Um, and and I think it's been a bit of a culture shock from him. Yep. For him. I mean, but, but, I, but as I say, he'll adjust to it. And I have no doubt that we'll probably see, you know, the best of him given time. But you've just got to be... You just got to be patient with the thing is, is it's it's different when you're buying a player who's 24, 25, and and their their career has advanced already in football. Yeah. Like we've seen when we're signing the likes of Pella, 
you know, tarnage people like that there. They're going yeah. straight into the team. The problem is, is with our with our sort of transfer policy as is now, that you know, it's about buying players who are ready or not ready, depending on the type of player that it is, yeah. you know, and and you do run that risk, but you've got to give them time to get better into the club. Absolutely, I agree with that hundred percent. Definitely. Yeah, no, no, and I think that's definitely been the case for him. He seems to have struggled a bit. He's had these injuries and stuff, and it obviously quite clearly it's more a case of acclimatising, isn't it? Um, Yannick Vestergaard's obviously spoken about the fact he's seen him in training, knows what he's about. Ralph said the same thing. So, yeah. you know, hopefully you get yourself sorted, Mo, and hopefully we see you play before too long and we're all impressed by what we see. But you definitely yeah. want for the future, as Ralph said. So let's I mean, not expect too much from him too soon. The other good, the other good thing is, is, Mark, that the club aren't under any pressure to throw him in Absolutely at right. the minute. Yeah, you know, and and the other thing as well is is that, you know, I trust the club for to throw him in at a point where he is ready to, you know, he's good to go, he's ready to go, and then and then we will see the best of him. But until that point, what's the point of putting him in there if the club feel that, you know, is conditioning it? Because I I do think it comes down to conditioning. The conditioning isn't right. Yep. You know, keeps getting muscle injuries and stuff like that. You know, and it is, don't get me wrong, people, it's disappointing, but I just think at the end of the day, the club will get it right. And when he does make his debut, you know, we'll see the player that we're all looking forward to seeing. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And the thing is, as well, it's the worst time you'd be picking up injuries because when it's cold, you tend to pick them up more. Muscle injuries are more frequent in the winter, to be fair. It's a lot colder, so it's a lot harder to keep your muscles warmed up and get warmed up in the first place. And obviously, if your muscles are quite cold, you run the risk of strains and sprains and all sorts. So, And we've seen a lot more of that recently. So, And it's kind of coincided with the cold weather, so it can't be a coincidence, definitely. Yeah, and all I'd anyway. say to him is, is if, you, if, you're, if you're listening, Mr. Salasu, you know, if you think it's cold at the minute, wait till the weekend when you see the snow mush. Well, all I would say, little tip, Mo, something I did when I played hockey. If um, if you're finding issues getting your muscles warm, a little bit of deep heat on the back of your hamstrings does wonders. Warms them up quite nicely. Anyway, moving on to the next story. Southampton are treading water financially, and the worrying losses the club is making could mean Gao Jisheng is left with no option but to sell up. This is according to finance expert and new football insider columnist, Kieran Maguire, speaking exclusively to correspondent Adam Williams after Southampton released their end-of-year financial report. Maguire believes that sacrifices will have to be made for Saints to navigate this bumpy fiscal period, which could mean they are forced to sell their finest assets. An owner, Ji Shang, must, might want to pass the burden on to a new owner. He reckons it's going to be a tough year for Southampton. They could be sold if the owners decide they don't want to fund the losses. They clearly do have assets which are very valuable in the form of players. That's quite a worrying statement from an outsider to make, Mark. Let's hope it's way wider the mark. Because I know some people would like to see the club sold and more money coming in, but there's no guarantee that anybody that comes in is going to be any better than what we've got already, is there? So um, worrying times, I think. All, all, I, all, I, would, all I would say is, is like, I know people jump up and down, and it, you know, to the degree of fairness when I'm when I'm saying this, Mark, yeah. right? You know, I've been surprised the amount of clubs that have been taken over during the pandemic. Yeah, you know, I I would have thought during the pandemic there would be no takeovers, but exactly. we've seen Burnley's been taken over, and numerous other clubs charted. Yeah. You know, all all sorts of different clubs have been taken over. So there are people out there willing to invest. Um, yeah. 
mind you, I say about Burnley, I'm, you know, I'm resident about what style of uh, ownership or leadership they're going to have with yeah. the new owners, but we'll, we'll watch this space and see. But um, what I was going to say to you was, was yeah, I mean, and I, and I get that people want to see a new owner brought in, and, you know, this guy suggesting that basically, you know, guy might be tempted to sell up. I, I don't think he will. I mean, he might wait the, you know, I think we're stuck with him for as long as this yep. pandemic lasts, I think. The, and the thing is as well, he's coming detrimental to the football yep. club, you know. The thing is he's also coming for a lot of um abuse over the fact he's not put a lot of money in. You know, and we've complained about the fact he's not invested, but the truth of the matter is in the cold light of day, China are preventing him from taking any money out, even if he wanted to. So even if he wanted to invest in the club, his hands are tied by the Chinese government. And also this pandemic hit us right on top of all that. So oh, the boy, chances boy. of that happening now are so remote. I'm not defending him. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying this is obviously what we've been made aware of has been going on behind the scenes. But that doesn't excuse the fact that in five years we've had no investment for our nose. So we are in trouble as a result of that. that Apart from the pandemic. That is an old, that's an old one. That, honestly, mate, that's an old yeah, one. That was that that conversation was three years ago. It still goes you on know, now, unfortunately. And, and we're talking about the now. We're talking about the now. Yeah, we're talking about a man who wants to sell. Yeah. Wants to sell, but there's no one wanting to buy. Would you? you know, he, he, he wants to sell. You know he wants yeah, to no. sell. He's already made buy? it clear. You Would know, you buy it the moment? It's a, hand, it's a hands-off owner. I keep saying you it's, it's a hands-off. You. Would you buy it at the moment? No, I wouldn't. There you go. I wouldn't. You know, who, who's going to commit no, financial no, no. suicide if you're well? well I'm surprised. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised anyone took over at Burnley, given the current climate financially. But there you go. Anyway, so we'll move on to the next story and get off the um, whole thing about the owner, because I think we've done that to death, to be fair, on more than one occasion. Yep. Um, Ralph Hassan, who was admitted that the financial impact caused by the coronavirus pandemic has impacted the way the club negotiates new contracts with its players. They've obviously tied down a few in recent months, the likes of James Ward-Prowse, Oriol Romeo, Jan Bednarek, Stuart Armstrong. Um, they're obviously trying to sort out contracts with Danny Ings and Brian Bertrands, which haven't happened yet. Um, Ralph's obviously saying it's difficult with the situation at the moment financially to do that. Um, let's just hope if they manage to get some players off the books, be it loans or whatever, Mark, to free up enough wages to be able to keep Danny Ings and Ryan Bertrand on. Although I can't help thinking, at some point, where did you say... You feel the players being a little bit greedy? Well, all I'm I'm not going to comment on that, Mark. And obviously, I'm going to reserve on that piece because we're going to be talking yep. about it later on in the show anyway. Absolutely. But but all all I would say is for Ralph to come out and say obviously, and we we all know we all yep. know we're not stupid. We see what's happening outside yep. the wider world, you know. And yep. I, I think the thing is is like. I'd, I'd love to think the players would tone down their expectations in terms yeah. of salaries and stuff exactly. like that there. You know, yeah. um, but as, as I say, we'll, I'll come on to that later on in the show. I'm going to hold far for the time being. We're obviously covering that when we get to Danny Ings, et cetera, as well. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Saints have been frustrated in the pursuit of their top target and are looking at alternative options. Southampton are running out of patience in their attempts to sign Brandon Williams on loan from Man United during the January transfer window. And they're obviously looking at alternative um, alternative targets at the moment. With a fixture schedule more congested in the London traffic at rush hour, you can understand why the Premier League leaders may be having second thoughts about letting their Vastar Academy graduate go. 
No, I don't understand that one because he's barely playing for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand the sticking point on that one, Mark. To be fair, no, I don't. I don't. To be honest, but but Mark, I'm gonna be honest with you, and I'm gonna turn around and say, even though for the for the last however long I've banged on about, you know, Brandon yeah. Williams coming in, I I am now of the opinion that he probably will stay put. Yeah. And Man and Man United will make sure that he stays put because obviously at the moment it's all about the depth of squad. You know, it's ironic that we're saying this, right? But yeah. because of COVID, we're we're sat there thinking it is all about your depth of squad, you know. Um, and the uh, thing is, is you know, they're to, as we speak at the moment, they're top of the Premier League, right? Yeah. And you know, all it takes is one injury. And Brandon Absolutely. Williams could get his opportunity. So yeah, exactly it's that. now my belief that he won't be coming to us. And yeah. and if Saints are look, you know, I do believe probably Saints are looking at other alternatives. But yeah. whether they bring in a left back or not is, yeah, right. you know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows at the end of the day? Right. You know? Yep. Yeah. So we move on to Josh Sims. Doncaster Rovers are keen to bring back Josh Sims from Southampton if they're able to, according to Sky Sports Life. The wing has now returned to his parent club after an impressive first half of the season on loan at the Keepmate. Darren Moore's side have been dealt a double blow over the past 48 hours with Sims going back to key midfield, uh, going back, and key midfielder Ben Whiteman leaving for Preston North End. So, they want Sims, Mark. All, all Is it time Josh Sims moved on, given that he's um, he's actually 23 years old now? So, um, he's on the cusp, isn't he? Does he leave or does he stay? Right. So, here's, here's my reading of it, Mark, right? Yeah. And this really baffled me, and I've I've read this obviously since I, you know, compared yep. what we're going to be talking about, right? Yeah. I mean, Ralph was asked about Josh Sims because obviously he's back at the football club now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's turned around and he said, he's, you know, he he is an option, but he's not ready at the moment, right? In terms of. No, listen, this is what he said. In terms of, and this is what baffled me, right, in terms of the training that we do and everything else, and I'm sat there and I'm thinking to myself, hang on a minute, we're talking about a player who was involved in pre-season training. Are you saying all of a sudden that the training at Southampton has intensified over the last few months or whatever? While he's been at Doncaster, well, if that's just, the case, that tells me that's why we're getting so many injuries. I just, I'm baffled by this one. I don't understand how, and and I'd love Ralph to explain it to me. I don't understand how he has fallen out of favour so much. I mean, he's either. not. I mean, you know, we we've been fortunate enough to meet him. I mean, he's one of those people that doesn't look like he'd say booty a goose. Yep. So, how, how, you know, it's not like you'd sit there and go, he's a problem child, you no. know? Um, so, absolutely baffle. But given the length of, I'm just going to say this, Mark, right? Irrespective of Ralph feeling that he's far off, you know, being ready for to go into the first team squad or the first team, right? I'd say this. I'd say, given the length of injuries that you've got, and given the amount of injuries you've got in the position that he plays, you know, much as I want to sort of see him sold, because I think 
we'll get money for them. You know, QPR's allegedly interested. We'll get money. We can bring in Damari Gray. You know, that article's coming up in a minute. But at the at the moment, I sit there and I think, given the raft of injuries we've got in his position, I'd say keep him. But I'm baffled by the comment of Ralph about this training thing. I really am. And I sort of sit there and I think to myself, that just sounds a little bit like me to me that you want them out the door, whether yeah. that's on loan or whether that's that's on loan. And if that's the case, that's fine. But yeah. I'd really want to see that money invested in the next article. Give me both. Yeah, so the next article is a report that claims Leeds and Southampton link start is available for 1.8 million from Leicester. So Demari Gray, apparently Leicester City want just 1.8 million for winger Demari Gray, given its contract is set to expire at the end of the season. And mid reports Leeds United and Southampton are key. Now, given the financial position we're led to believe our club are in, Mark, unless they get rid of Josh Sims and a couple of others, it's probably not likely to happen. He's likely to end up at Leeds, isn't he? But I'd like to see him at Suns. Yeah. I mean, look, money, it's ridiculous. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I look, the thing is, is, Mark, I've been going on about this for ages because, yeah. you know, last week it was believed that, you know, we weren't making a move this summer. And as yeah. I suggested on the pod last week, if that's the case, it'll be too late for us. You know, yeah. if there is, I mean, obviously this is all just paper talk. If there is the possibility to move now, let's move now. Absolutely. If it means being able to secure him. Because, yeah. you know, if we leave it to the summer and he's on a free, you know, like I said to you before, there's going to be a bus queue and we're going to be at the end of it. We're yeah, going to be at the absolute end of it. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Yeah, 100%. Definitely agree with that. Yeah, 100%. So that brings us to the end of that little section on Saints Transfer News and Saints Transfer Gossip. So we're just going to take a very short break. And when we come back from that, we'll do football. And it will be COVID, COVID stories to start with. And then we'll be giving you other news from the week as well. Fiesta 95 FM, the Two Saints Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. So this is um, football, football news. And this relates to the COVID-19 situation at the moment. Stopping players celebrating is a joke, says Cardiff City boss Neil Harris. London Stadium cancelled events will help save £7.4 million in taxpayers' money. And the last one is Richo Pochettino, Paris Saint-Germain boss, test positive for COVID-19 after just securing his first trophy for them in about 11 days. So it um, didn't take him long to get his first trophy, Mark. Unfortunately, he's tested positive for COVID. So a bit of a um, dark cloud to that silver lining for him, wasn't it? No, I mean, let, let's cover the last story yep. first, because that, that, that's easily covered. Yeah. You know, obviously, as the ex-Saints manager, you know, we all wish him well and a speedy Absolutely. recovery. Definitely. You know, I was, I was surprised, let's say, to hear, you know, to read that story. So, yeah. you know, Maurizio, we, we wish you well. Yeah, you know, it didn't take him long to get his first trophy at PSG, though, did it? No, no, definitely not, you know. But um, as I say, yeah, so good luck to him and speedy recovery, Mr. Pochettino. Absolutely, yep. Get well soon, Mauricio, and good luck to you. Um, best wishes to your family as well, obviously, thinking of them at this time as well. Yeah. But yeah, the first of the COVID stories, Mark, was... Um... Sorry, yeah, yeah, going back to the first one. So this is a remark by um, the... Cardiff City manager Neil yeah, Harris. Yeah. Um, basically, he's turned around. And he said, "You know, you can't, you know, stop players from celebrating." Or why? Sh- I mean, it sounded more like why should they stop from celebrating? 
the thing is, is I mean, look, I get it. There's an argument that people put forward, yeah. right? Well, they're turning around and they're saying, well, they're training together, right? They're playing football, you know, because yeah. people are tugging each other or there's physical contact going on in the box when people are defending corners or whatever yeah. whatever scenario you like to look at, Mark, right? But the yeah. thing, in, in isolation about the goal celebration, and this is the point that I would say, is yeah. it's how it looks, how it's perceived yeah. by by the average dual public. I'll right. tell you two reasons why it shouldn't happen, okay? And Neil Harris is the Neil Harris can do this off his own back if he wants to, okay? If he wants to know the two reasons it shouldn't be happening, number one, go and go to your local hospital and have a look in their intensive care unit. And number two, look at every single person in the country who's been unable to hug their nan or their parents or people they love, but you lot can pretty much do whatever you want. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the thing is, is, but it goes back to what I'm saying. It's public perception, yeah. right? And the, the the thing is, is, is that even if you're not a football fan, right? If somebody who, because the thing is, is, you know, football's on the TV, especially during the pandemic the whole time, right? Yeah. You're an average person that has no interest in football and you're seeing that, you're thinking... You know, I haven't been able to see anybody close to me. Yep. You know, why Why should they be able to, you know... And, and I get it, I get it. I'm sure... Look, Mark, the thing is, is what I'm saying is, I'm sure it is difficult for professional footballers when you score, you know, yeah. your natural instinct is to celebrate. But please understand that, you know... It shows when managers come out and say things like that, it shows a complete lack of understanding for the situation that the nation's in, that the nation's in, that the world's in, that the world's in, never mind the nation. So moving on to news about the London Stadium. The cancellation of plunge showpiece events at London Stadium last year will help save the London taxpayer 7.4 million, a new report has found. It shows cost fails. The COVID-19 crisis led to events, most notably Major League Baseball in June 2020 and a flex anniversary games the following month being called off. Yep, that's great. Wait. And I'm sure the taxpayer would probably argue if West Ham weren't there, they'd save even more money. <laughs> Do you know something? I was going to say, better still, what about West Ham just paying for the exactly stadium? That. Exactly you that. You know what I mean? Rather than the taxpayer. Oh, <laughs> there you go. me. I mean, I just thought it included because I thought to myself, well, at least there's some money coming back. But at the okay. end of the day, I still turn around and say, I mean, I don't believe in rent free, mate. I don't believe in scot free. And, no. you know, two million pound, you know, as we covered last week, they pay two million pound annually for that, for that stadium, you know, no wonder they can afford to uh, say to Sebastian Haller, I tell you what, we're paying forty-five million for you, but we're going to allow you to leave for twenty million euro. Well, the point is, Mark. Another way of looking at it, the cynical view would be the cynical way of looking at it would be you could turn around and go, well, because they're only paying that much to the stadium, they've completely found a way around FIFA fair play rules, haven't they? Oh well, that, that's how they negate it, mate. Because they're yeah. not even having to pay for the. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah it's two million pounds and an embarrassment for yeah. for the stadium that they've got, but. You know, look, 
at the end of the day, if if you're a football club and you're given that kind of deal, who's not going to take it? Oh, you know, I know we might sit here and talk about it, but the thing is, is like if if somebody did that with Saints, you and I'd be sitting there going, "Yes, please, thank you very oh, much." Yeah, of course, we would. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well, even more so at the moment, to be fair. Anyway, we'll move on to the rest of this week's football stories. So, again, we'll give you the headlines and we'll start from the top of those once we've finished. So, Robert Snodgrass, Premier League, investigates West Brom signings admission against West Ham. And Premier League, West Brom versus Fulham will be shown live on the BBC. Definitely. So, moving on to um, Championship news. This was an article that didn't appear on the list that I gave you, everybody. So, I do apologise. I missed this one. It was um, Derby County. Wayne Rooney has been confirmed as um, manager of Derby County. So, championship side, Derby County have appointed England's record goal scorer, Wayne Rooney, as the new manager on a two-and-a-half-year contract. So, the 35-year-old yeah, I mean, in interim charge, obviously, is now officially retired as a player. Am I really that shocked that they've, they've appointed him? Not really. Um, Derby County, I've got to be honest, is a bit of a Murray Celeste club at the minute. Because I don't know whether you know or not, but the, and I didn't realise this at the, t- at the time, Mark. But Derby's actually imminently due to be taken over. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so new owners there. So like like I keep saying, there's new owners. <laughs> I don't know how this COVID thing works, but there seems to be have been more new owners during the COVID period than any other time that I can think of. But anyway, um, the thing is, is a little bit of a no-brainer, I suppose, for Derby. You know, a little bit of stardust in the sense that it's Wayne Rooney. But I personally think, you know, they're in trouble at the minute. Yeah. Uh, obviously, under threat of relegation. I do think that he probably keep them up by the skin of his teeth. But I think it's, if I'm honest, unless, unless the new owners come in before... The window shuts or Derby yeah. are able to do any loan deals, you know, they're basically gonna have to go with what they've got. Yeah. And I and I, and I do think it'll be a close run thing to whether they stay That's up true. or not. Um, because because Wayne when he first got appointed, he did have a you know, it was a new manager effect, if you like. Right? I mean, not when he was appointed, sorry, when he was put in as interim manager, he did there was a bit of a bounce. Um and recently, I mean, it seems to be one week he's winning one, then he's drawn, then they're losing one, then then he's winning again, then he's losing again, you know. So that this is why I'm sort of saying the I think it'll be a little bit of a roller coaster ride for for Derby County. But looking at it, I still think there should be enough there to keep them up. I mean, yeah. you know, the beat the beat Bournemouth, you know, and um, you know Bournemouth again. Obviously, their form's been a little bit inconsistent of late, but as a whole, you know, they've done fairly well. And, you know, Derby managed to beat, beat them the other night. So it, it just seems to be that at the minute, they're in a Derby's in a flux where, you know, they're winning one, they're losing one. But let, as I say, let's hope for, the, for their supporters' sakes that the takeover happens before. The transfer deadline, and they're they're able to bring in one or two new bodies, whether that's on loan or not, you know. Um, But I think that's fairly important for them because otherwise they're going to struggle, you know, this till the end of the season, irrespective of who's in charge. But 
And I say good luck to Dwayne. I mean, Dar let, let's be honest, the last time Derby had a young manager like that, it was very successful. You know, they got to the players, they got to the playoffs under Frank Lampard. Yeah, they beat us at Mary's in the Cup as well. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from there. Uh, Robert Snodgrass, the Premier League investigate West Brom signings admission against West Ham. Robert Snodgrass' admission from the West Brom squad beaten at West Ham on Tuesday has been investigated by the Premier League. The former Scotland midfielder joined Albion from the Hammers on the 8th of January for an undisclosed fee, making his debut in Saturday's win at Wolves. He, however, missed the West Ham game because of an agreement between the clubs, West Brom boss Sam Allardyce said. The Premier League will examine whether competition rules have been broken. Under normal circumstances, Snodgrass would have been eligible to play against West Ham as his transfer was permanent. It's only with loan deals that such restrictions apply in the Premier League. In those circumstances, a player cannot face their current their parent club. Allardyce said we could only get the deal done with that agreement. There was an agreement between the clubs that this game would not be allowed to be in this game, he would not be allowed to play. Premier League Rule 17 listed in the competition's handbook states no club shall enter into a contract which enables any other party to that contract to acquire the ability material to influence its policies or performance of its teams in league matches. Well, I would argue by doing that, they've done exactly that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, thing, the thing is, is it's it's a breach, mate. And basically yep. what what should maybe happen there is, is West Ham not be awarded the win. But I wouldn't, yep. but because of where West Brom is, I wouldn't give them the win neither. I mean, at the end of the day, they lost the game. So for my from my perspective, it would be a case of West Ham for uh, forfeiting the three points that they've yep. gained, and that's yep. what the punishment should be. But yep. again, okay. as as you know, it'll probably go to some sort of arbitrational committee, yep. and they'll end up paying a fine. But that's yep. not that's not the way it should work because at the yep. end of the day, they signed Robert Snodgrass on a permanent. All yep. right, it was on an 18-month contract, but the sign yep. of a permanent. Right. And as far as the rules go, yep. you can only you can only not play against the current club right. if you're at that club on yep. loan. For me, it's very simple. You break the rules, you should be accountable for it. End of. Anyway. Yep. So moving on, um, another story relating to West Brom. Obviously, I think we covered the Robert Snodgrass one. So yeah, our opinion on that for anybody that was interested in that. Our opinion basically is that the rules were breached and they should pay for it. So, West Brom versus Fulham, Mark, will be shown live on the BBC. West Brom's home match against Fulham on Saturday, the 30th of January, will be broadcast on BBC One, the BBC Sport website and the iPlayer. So, that's an absolute mouth-watering feast of football we'll look forward to, isn't it? <laughs> West Brom versus Fulham. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing is, is, you know, always like that, always like the throwing in the mix because we're talking 3D air, Mark. Yep. And I know, I know you're full of laughter, but, you know, some of us don't have the... The capabilities of others, you know. No, no. Oh, I forgot though, no, you've withdrawn your Amazon Prime uh, subscription, didn't you? After it stopped to be free. So, free silly trial. Me. Silly me. Free trial. Thank <laughs> you for the free trial. End it before you get paid to charge for it. All I'd say is, is like, it, you know, it's another opportunity for those people yeah. that don't have subscription services to watch free football. That's right. Yeah, I'm not making light of the fact that other people don't get to watch it. I just meant that really exciting game that'll be to watch on TV. West Brom versus <laughs> that'd be a classic. Oh, I, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. Yeah. So we we'll move on from there. Danny Ings is he leaving or staying put? Ralph Hasenhutl confirms Danny Ings could leave Southampton for a bigger club. Release clause is the key to Danny Ings Southampton stalemate. And 
These foolish things. The rumor mill goes into overdrive about Danny. So there's an article I've seen the ugly inside that relates to Danny Ings. Ralph Hassanut was apparently said that, apparently confirmed that he could leave Southampton. Now, I don't actually remember those exact words coming out of Ralph's mouth. So I think that's been open to interpretation from the media. And we all know how, some, how the mass media works, Mark. Now, my take on it is very simple. You've made some very bold statements, Danny, about where your heart was, wanting to emulate Ricky Lambert and blah, 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 blah. If you're not going to be staying at the club, drop the pretense. Drop the act and tell the truth. It's as simple as that. You're either going to sign your contract or you're going to move on. Now, if it's just re about a release uh, a release clause, don't really understand why you need one. If you're in the form of your life and playing great football, people will pay whatever fee you should be going for because you're good enough. You shouldn't need a release clause. Um, so it's left a very sour taste in my mouth, Danny. I've been one of your biggest fans since you came to the club, and I'm very disappointed if you leave. I mean, all, all I would say is, is you're bang on the money with those sentiments, Mark. I mean, I think the thing is, is that, you know, you, you finally feel like you're getting somewhere you've got, you know, because, you know, I've been able to reflect, you know, since, since all, the, all this sort of blew up, right? Yeah. And I, I understand what sort of the likes of Nick Ellensworth's getting yeah. at. You know, I mean, he said, you know, it's all speculation, it's all paper talk. Yeah. But to be, to be fair, you know, we all know that people get hold of stuff yeah. You know, and unfortunately, you know, there, there, there is often a degree of truth to these things, right? Yeah. And the thing is, is all I want to comment on is, is if it is a question, because we're all led to believe that it's a question of the release fee, you know, and I agree with you. I, I sort of think to myself, if he's in the form of his life, which he is at the minute, you know, and... You know, the club, Danny was responsible for looking after his fitness. I don't deny that, right? But the club was also responsible for giving his giving him the platform when the career was on the down escalator, you know, and the encouragement of the club when he was going through, yep. you know, injuries now and again, even when he, when he first came, the Saints, let's be honest about it. You know, I was one of the people... I wanted him to be successful, obviously I did, because as long as he's successful, the team's being successful because you've got a you've got a goal scorer on your hands. I mean, there are two big things that stick out on this whole thing with Danny Ings as well. The fact that Saints are losing three million pounds a month roughly at the moment, which is roughly what every team's probably losing. So they're losing about three million a month at the moment. They've got to find the extra money in order to sort this contract out with Danny Ings. They've offered him a contract that makes him the highest paid player at Saints, even higher wages than Fraser Force is on. But also something, they've got a similar problem to Leicester in the fact that if Danny Ings was to go to Leicester, for example, to replace Vardy, Leicester's problem is if Jamie Vardy left, they have to find money to replace a man who, if he was 27, would cost them 50 to £60 million pounds in terms of his goal-scoring value. Now, we're led to believe Danny Ings and the club are about £20 million apart on the valuation regards to his release clause. Mm -hmm. My argument would be the club should be Saying, look at Leicester, Danny. If Jamie Vardy left Leicester tomorrow, Leicester would have to find 50, 60 million quid for a guy if who he who, if he was 27, would cost him 50 to 60 million quid. That is why we're saying your release clause should be blah blah blah. Now, if Danny Ings is saying, I want my release clause at 15 million, and Southampton are going, Well, we want it at 30 million, greatest offense, greatest respect, Danny, in the world. Southampton Foot Club are actually right to do that because they are trying to make sure they have enough money to replace you. Because they do have to replace you. 
Southampton put themselves in a position where you could swan off to a top whoever it is club that are playing Champions League football and Saints end up with not enough money to replace you because that's the crux of it, isn't it? Right. Okay, hey mate. So I I just want to go back to what I what what I was saying, mate. Is I I feel disappointed. Yeah. You know, if he wants to leave, I don't want to see him leave. I mean, you know, I I just want to see it state that I don't want to see him leave. But the thing is, is do me a favour if you are staying, Danny. Stop kissing the club badge. The thing, the thing is, is like I'm, I'm fed up with players who use Saints as a springboard for yeah. their career. Right. You know, if the newspaper stories are to be be believed about the Champions League, and because the release clause is all part of that, mate. You know, at the end of the day, it's a bit like you turned around and said the agent's saying, and I said to you. Yes, but who's representing them in those talks? The agent. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly, you yeah. can't say that there's not prompting from Danny in that regard. No, no, no. Absolutely. You know, I, I just the way I look at it, Mark, is I don't understand. The thing is, is we look like we're gonna be achieving something, maybe even in the seasons to come. It may not yeah. be this season, yeah. the seasons to come, right? We've recently we've seen James Ward Price, Stuart Armstrong. Uh, Jan Bednarek, Stuart Armstrong, uh, Jan Bednarek, uh, Romeo, all sign new contracts, right? What message does that send out to those players that have already all signed their contracts, right? Bear in mind, we haven't even touched on Ryan Bertram, but I think that's separate, and and you know hopefully that will get resolved. But just just on the Danny Ings thing. You know, if if you profess to love the club that much, yep. right, and you you've you've admitted yourself that you're in a good place, you know, you're injury free, you're enjoying your football and everything else. What are you saying? He's happy at Saints, my That's why I followed it. I'm feeling the on. I'm still feeling. Look, this 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 uh, release clause to me is a bit of a red herring because yep. I'm still feeling the understand why he won't sign the contract because yep. to me. To me, Mark, that's like him turning around and saying, "I want the release clause to be lower," right? Yeah. So that that mean that tells me that you know he's looking for a move to a club that's that's going to be playing in bigger competitions. It's a, it's a clever move from him and his agent as well. To be fair, no offense, Danny, but it is a clever move, and you damn well know it is from him and his agent in the fact that if somebody comes in and meets the release clause, it takes the heat off of him. Because then the fans, you know how the fans work, and fans are quite fickle, Mark, at times. No offence, but they are. You and I both know that. They'll be looking at that going, well, you know, the club agreed to the release clause. The club's met it. It's their fault. And it will come back on the club. It won't come back on Danny Ings. The heat won't be on him. The heat will be on Southampton Football Club Club. for putting a release clause in. And you know that as well as I do. So from his agent and him, it's very clever. but you know they're not as clever as they think they are. But but like I say, I just want to put it in perspective, Mark. Yeah. Before I move, and and then I'm going to give over about it. But all I would say is let's remember one thing, folks. We're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, right? And Danny Ings, if he was to sign the contract, you know, we're all led to believe that it'll make him the highest paid player in Southampton's history, right? And I, I just think even on that basis, even on a moral basis, yeah. why not just sign the contract? I mean, it yeah. just it yeah. just smacks of of well, 
agree. Um, it does smack agreed, Mark, because the thing is, the thing as well is, right, because I think he's being given an awful lot of latitude here. I mean, we haven't yeah. heard from him. It'll be interesting to see if he ever does speak. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the thing is, is Saints fans have poured Lalanne over the coals. They've yep. poured Lovren over the coals. Yep. Yep. Van Dyke. You know, there's loads of other players that Saints fans, when they come to St. Mary's, they get a hostile reception. All yeah. I'd say is, is if Danny Ings decides to move on, let's hope that the Saints fans give him just as much of a oh, host, hostile reception, homeboy or not. That's right. I'll tell, you, well, I'll tell you something now, Mark, and I've said this to you, and I was very strong about this. You know my feelings regards to the way Adam Lallana conducted himself. And I'll tell you something now, Danny Ings, you leave the club in the way you're talking about possibly leaving it, for me, you'll be no better than Adam Lallana. And I don't care what anyone else says about it. That's my personal view. Yeah. You leave Southampton football yeah. after what you've said now and some of the stuff you've said about wanting to emulate Ricky Lambert, it will make you no better than Diane Lovren and no better than Adam Lallana. So if you do leave my football club, Danny Ings, don't expect a warm welcome from me when you come back because you won't get one. But it, it, it's awful, Mark. The only the last thing I'll say on it is it's awful, right? Because the thing is, is you've seen what's happened with him at the football club, right? Yeah. And and it, you do feel like he's some sort of jilted lover already, because yeah, yeah. you're sort of fearing the you know. All right, we're only talking about press speculation, and I get all that, and I, and I get what Nick Gillensworth is saying. But you only go on what you're what you're hearing and everything else and what yeah, you're reading. Eight old adages. There's no smoke that far, is there? Well, no, no. But like, like I said, you know, to put some perspective on it, if he does go, I'll be really disappointed, yeah. and, I, and I will probably. I mean, I've never done it before. I've got to be honest. I've, well, no, that's not strictly true. I've given Lovren the bird before. Yeah. I haven't given any other Saints player the bird left, no. but I've got a funny feeling that if he does leave, I'll be giving him the bird when he returns to St. Murray's. Well, I tell you, they should get more than that from me. But it, but it breaks my heart. Oh, it, it'll break my heart to see him leave, Mark. Yeah, I've got to say that because I do think that while he's with us, things are achievable. Oh, but while he, and then this is why it hurts so much. Yeah. You know, like I say, it feels like a jilted lover. Because you sort of sit there and you think, all those people have signed up because they have bought in the Ralph's Ralph's vision yeah, for absolutely. moving forward mm -hmm. and, and achieving something. And it well, makes it more of the cost of something. I know Ralph said something about Danny. It was quite tongue-in-cheek when he said, well, you know, um, if he wants to play Champions League football, he should stay here and score another 15 goals, and then he can do that. But Although that was quite tongue-in-cheek from Ralph. I thought he had a damn good point, actually. Yeah, no, it is. It's bang, bang on yeah. the money. Bang, yeah. You know, the thing is, I want to, you know, if it is true that it's, yeah. uh, you know, because we're led to believe it's about the release clause, but if it is true that, you know, the Champions League is in there anywhere, you know, the thing is, is, you know, Danny, you might be able to achieve it with Saints, you know, yeah. and at the end of the day, is it your boyhood club? You know, if if there is that possibility of achieving, achieving with Saints, is it your boyhood club? Come yeah. on, yeah. Come yeah. on. For your club, if you can stay and go into the Champions League or into Europe with Saints, if you're not prepared to stay and do that, yeah, you yeah, know, it's, it's just does. But I mean, look, we don't know. We, I mean, I just want to say to the listeners, this is just Mark and I giving our feelings on it. Yep. You know, we, we, 
we don't want to see him leave the football club. We'll be highly delighted like everybody else if he signs the contract. But at the at this moment in time, it's not looking too clever. I mean, to be fair, we're just putting our feelings out there. Should he decide to depart, given everything he said, we're giving our feelings as to how we'll feel if that happens. Yeah. You know? If he signs a contract, he's still a Saints player. We'll support him. That's how we work. So there you go. Anyway, we move on now to the two Saints preview of Saints versus Arsenal. So last time out in the FA Cup, this was Saturday the 28th of February, 2000, sorry, 28th of January, 2017. It was a 5.30 kickoff. There was an attendance of 31,288 at St Mary's. Blimey, that ain't going to happen for a while, was it? <laughs> and it ended up terribly terrible for Southampton. Theo Walcott actually netted a hat-trick as the Gunners reached the FA Cup fifth round with a 5-0 win. Dude, <clears> by by the way, I just want to say, there's a reason... There's a reason why that was 31,000, whatever, right? Because if I remember, it was live on some TV network. Can't remember who was carrying it. But the reason why there was 31,000 thousand there, Mark, was because it was a five or a ticket mush. That's why there was 31,000 thousand there, right? And and the thing is, is because I barely ached about going to this game, right? But then I thought, do you know what? That Frenchman is going to play a bunch of youngsters and we're not going to go through, right? Yeah. Hence, we had the likes of Harry Lewis playing. Uh, you know, Harrison Reid played one of his rare appearances, made one of his rare appearances for Saints, if I remember. You know, and, and the thing is, is and the irony about it is, right, we'll lose 5-0, right? But Theo Walcott, who... You know, as I've stated before, you know, okay, might have the odd trophy with Arsenal and all the rest of it, but it's a bit of a career on for fun for me. The irony is, is that that particular night he scored a hat trick. Well, it's even more ironic as well because when we last played Arsenal, which was the 16th of December 2020, Theo Walcott actually scored for Saints after 18 minutes against Arsenal, and good goals were well, actually. Yeah. And that game ended up one all. So it's a difficult one for me. I mean, I'm looking at the. The actual cup game, regards to the cup game, Mark. Um, I don't know about the cup. I, I actually think Snakes might actually just sneak this. I've got a funny feeling we might actually get a one nil in the cup game, but I've got a funny feeling that the league game's going to be a draw. I think the league well, game's probably going to be two two, and yeah. I think the cup game's probably going to be one nil to Saints. So I'm going two all in the league, one nil in the FA Cup. All, all, all I'm going to do is I'm going to say to you, Dally Ings is available for yep. both games, apparently. Well, he won't be if he gets injured, obviously, in the, the cup game. But, you know, to all intents and purposes, he's available. Yeah. Um, but I I think this is tough. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that we're going to knock out the FA Cup holders on Saturday. Okay. And I'm going to say we're going to do it by a 1-0 scoreline. Oh, it's um, not often we agree on the scoreline on here either, Mark. Right. And... Well, you see, I, I, it goes to show what attention I was paying because I was trying to think what I was going to go for, and I didn't hear you say one nil. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say two nil. I'm going to say oh. two nil, right? And I'm going to say, I'm going to say two one in the league game. Oh, oh he's, he's, gone, he's gone big. He's gone big. He's gone big. Going on. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, and the reason why I've gone big is. It's a bit like what Ralph said in the press conference for the game, right? He said, you know, somebody, uh, your mate, it was your mate on a blackboard, right? Turned around and said to him, 
you know, are you going to be prioritising, you know, which game you want to win against Arsenal? Yeah. And, and Ralph came back with, well, I don't know about you, but I'd prioritise the win both games. So, yeah. and, and, and the thing is, is like, you know, and he was trying to challenge the players during that press conference yeah, oh, to step up, to step up and absolutely. win both games. Well, you know, to be and fair, I think you see, know. To be fair, Mark, let's see if some of these young, you know, it's great the win against Shrewsbury and that there, yeah. right? And, yeah. and I'm sure one or two of the youngsters will get used in the next two games, right? Well, in fairness, I think you know some it. of these academy products step up. And, and to be fair, I never mentioned them because I think we take them. I, I mean, I I personally think we take them for granted now. But James Ward Price, I mean, that man just plays every game. I mean, he, he is robotic, and, and the thing is, is we're lucky to have him. You know. Just to remind you all, you can contact us via our email address, the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com, for questions or items you'd like to hear in future shows. You can listen to the radio show on Fiesta 95FM in Southampton and via onlineradiobox.com. Also, the Two Saints Podcast Show is now available via Spotify, SoundCloud, Overcast, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podbean or via our Facebook page The Two Saints Show and our YouTube channel The Two Saints Podcast Show. Yeah, I just want to I just want to say thanks everybody for taking the trouble to listen and you know at the at the end of the day, you know, the the whole world's in in a in a bad state. Just make sure that you take care of each other, look after each other. And uh, keep keep well and stay safe. Absolutely right. So thank you for joining us on the Two Saints podcast show today. And it's goodbye for now. And please join us again next week when the Two Saints go marching in again.